Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 49 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, here with my good friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hey, buddy. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going very well. It's going very well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How's your college fantasy football team going? I don't want Pick'ems. Pick'ems. Yeah, it's, how's that going? I don't want to talk about it. No? No. Is Kristen beating you? I don't want to talk about it. Mm. Speaking of Kristen, Kristen. I'm here and I am beating her. <laughs> I'm in second place overall. So yeah, Kristen and Josh are here today. Or Kristen and Justin and Josh, all four of us are here today. Um, Justin, our student and worship pastor. Kristen, our kids pastor and administrator. Uh, and we are part of this conversation we're having. So I'm mm. glad you guys are here. Welcome. Good to be here. Glad to be back. Justin's wearing a bull's hat. Um, Throwback. Ha- has everyone seen The Last Dance? Yes. With uh, Michael Jordan? No. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and I just I would like to say, if if for our younger listeners, if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, if you think Shame. LeBron is better than Michael Jordan, Shame. you need to watch The Last Dance and then come back and talk to me because there's no denying who well, the GOAT is. Well, yeah. Okay, so speaking about The Last Dance, Scottie Pippen just released his book, his memoir, and it... Like, if you like The Last Dance, you need to go back and read, or you need to go read Scottie Pippen's book, because basically it, it's his story about, like, what was going on mm. during The Last Dance, and, and he's not he's not Michael Jordan's best friend. No, no, they were good on the court. But, so... Good duo. What were we going to say? It's, well, it's it's like that sometimes, you know I mean? It's like yeah. a common goal, and you go your separate ways when you're done, kind yep. of thing. In sports, it's like that. You <laughs> know, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, sometimes you, your teammates aren't going to be your best friends. They're going to work to accomplish the I'm goal. I'm glad we're all best friends. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, which is actually a kind of what we've been talking about in episode 48 and 49 is the, we're talking about this cult of personality. We've been looking at the podcast, um, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, we talked about last week, and what a lot of what we know and understand about what went down with Mark Driscoll and the ministry was because a lot of people on his staff who were on his team um, we're like, hey, you're not a good team player, so things got to change. Um, and so uh, we all had been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill on our own. Yeah, and separately. We just started, and then, and then we started talking about it. Yeah, yeah, going around. So we've been we've been doing that. So we we covered in episode 48 this, um, you know, just our impression of what we understood of Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Uh, when it was founded in 96 under Mark Driscoll, um, who was you know, a fairly new believer, had never had any church background, and just kind of went into it. Um, it ended up being, you know, he, he was part of the Acts 20. He started. He started. He, well, he helped. There's a, yeah. It's an asterisk. Acts 29 <laughs> network that was a yeah. church planning mm-hmm. network, yep. right? Um, <coughs> he was the Gospel one, Coalition. Yep. He, he was on, he didn't help start the Gospel Coalition, right. but he was on the Gospel uh-huh. Coalition, and then... He kind of he, he was he was the guy in the X twenty nine network. It was it was a thing before he got there, but it was a loose thing. And then all of a sudden, when his mouth got attached to it because mm-hmm. he was so popular at the time, it really exploded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think we all kind of heard some cautionary tales <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and learned some things um, from our last episode. If you missed episode forty eight, encourage you to go and listen to it. Um, as, as as episode forty eight 
also with this one, we might deal with some topics in the conversation today that are not for um, younger ears. So we uh, would encourage you to be mindful of that. Um, but Josh, as we like to call him, uh, our self-proclaimed, our resident former fanboy of all things Driscoll, um, you want to give us a little background on him? So um, if you've ever listened to him, he's going to say it in his message. Uh, he's, when he got saved, he said his, he said his calling was to um, Mary? marry Grace, mm-hmm. plant churches, and follow Jesus mm-hmm. in like, that order. Yep. I think he said preach the gospel. Preach, pre- yeah, preach yeah. the gospel. And then plant churches. Um, So that was in like the early 90s. And then so instead of um, going on like a church staff somewhere and being like an associate pastor or something like that, Mm -hmm. he just decides to launch his own church Mm -hmm. in his living room um, with in Seattle with a bunch of indie rockers. (laughs) Uh, He says, they love Jesus a lot, but they didn't give, so we didn't really expect it to go anywhere. And then (laughs) Mars Hill turns into the fastest growing church in the country and becomes a network of its own, basically Mm -hmm. of, I think at the height it had 20 campuses. And suddenly he's like in the, in the realm of like speaking gigs and he's rubbing shoulders with people like he, yeah, he goes from basically a nobody Mm -hmm. in um, Christianity to he's keynoting alongside John Piper and David Platt and Francis Chan, like big guys in the Reformed theology world. Mm-hmm. Like, he was on, like, in the early to mid-2000s, he was on the Mount Rushmore of mm. who you'd look to yeah. during the Reformed theology movement. Mm-hmm. And which we talked about in another podcast about New Calvinism, basically. Like yeah. The, yeah, that the, Neo-Calvinist. Yeah. yeah. So he, so, and then if you hadn't listened to episode 48, go listen to 48. So everything that happens at Mars Hill, he's brought up on charges of arrogance and actually, also um, copyright infringement. Oh yeah! Like one of his books, mm-hmm. he uh, references. It's like twelve pages, I think. Yeah. that Someone mm-hmm. pointed out. Uh, I can't remember who it is, mm-hmm. but it's also another guy in the same area of Christianity. Like that, they parallel a lot. And um, he's he stole pages out of his book and put it directly in his book with no citation or anything. So that's actually what started people digging into. Mars mm-hmm. Hill, mm-hmm. and what brought up his charges. Um, he even went as far as going to this guy's speaking engagements and selling his books outside of the venues where this other guy was speaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't remember who it is. Hang on. Driscoll went to? This guy's conferences. Mm-hmm. Maybe not him specifically, right, but, but his, his staff. Yeah. And his real faith staff, not the Mars Hill staff. Because right. he also had his own company at the same time. Of to spread the, the real marriage, real, real marriage, sex, real yeah. So the real his whole thing was called real faith, right? And all the real marriage, real sex, and all that fall underneath that. Which you know, I kind of have a a, a a deal, an issue, a prickling here, with the word when we use the word real. You know, kind of like you know Instagram, like you'll see the real this person or the real that person. You know, because they want to show who they are. I, I don't have a problem with that. But sometimes I think we attach real to something, kind of like how we'll attach the word biblical, and it means like immediately, like this is this is the truth. Like what I'm telling you is the truth. Anything else someone else might be telling you, that's not. This is the real thing. This is the real thing. And uh, and knowing Driscoll's personality, I, I I think that's why. I mean, if you just said, oh, here, Shannon, I just did this, and it's called the real, mm-hmm. I don't know, shirt, yeah. I'd be like, cool. 
you know, but I think knowing that it's when he talks about real and then whatever, well, I, I mean, kind of go, eh, I don't know, I'm going to have to check this out a little bit. I mean, to to his point, he 100% believes anything he says. Like, well, he's he a, does. Like, he, there's nothing that he says that smart. he doesn't wicked smart. believe. But so, if you hadn't listened to 48, you can uh, basically hear our discussion <laughs> about the rise and fall of the church that he founded in the 90s, Mars Hill Church up, up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's he resigns. He's not fired. He resigns from that church in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then 2016, um, he comes back with a resurgence in a church in Scottsdale, Arizona, with um, statements that um, he <laughs> has uh, reconciled his faith and reconciled with certain people. And this new church that he launched, he has an oversight board that he basically has to answer to. Mm-hmm. And that sets up to where we are this week yeah. with episode 49. Yeah. So so two years after leaving Mars Hill, he starts this new church in Scottsdale, the Trinity Church. And I and he was supposed... he. One of the things he said was he was going to take some time and step back. Um, he said that. Um, he didn't really step back because there are tons of videos... Of he's, he's Driscoll t- yeah. at conferences mm-hmm. and events, and he's not speaking about his lessons learned from Mars Hill. He's not talking about repentance. He's not talking about reconciliation. He's just there as a paid speaker speaking about whatever the topic is. And so he just continued on almost, um, I don't know, in spite of uh, what was going on. Um, and, and unfortunately, the Trinity Church is now enmeshed in scandal over the same abuses of authority and control that led to him resigning in 2014 at Mars Hill. Um, there's a lot of accounts. There's some that are still coming out about uh, paranoia on his part, um, and it's really come to the detriment of a lot of Trinity people, um, and they've come forward to tell their story. I suggested to our staff um, to listen to a reporter and blogger named Julie Royce, who had two different episodes of interviews with former uh, Trinity Church staff. Um, one of them is Chad Fries, who's the former head of security at the Trinity Church, and then Ben Ennius, who is a member, uh, was part of the security detail. So um, I guess the first question I'd like to ask is, did you guys know... Um, that Driscoll had started another church before we had this, we were, knew we were going to have this conversation. Yes, I had heard of Trinity Church and listened to some stuff. D- just knowing before the Mars Hill podcast, knowing kind of some of what Mark went through and he resigned and there's some scandal there and all that. And just, again, like the early days of Mars Hill, it just seemed to be on the up and up. You know, there was a little bit different tone in his voice yep. and he, as he taught and he preached. A little bit kinder, gentler. A little kinder, gentler, older, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully wiser. Mm-hmm. But here we are again talking about Mark Driscoll and his his issues. So. Mm. Kristen? Because I like to live under a rock and I continue to live <laughs> under a rock, I did not know anything about his second church. Mm. Gotcha. I listened to a message as late as last month. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew about... Uh, Trinity Church. I knew about the supposed oversight, and I've actually listened to a couple um, talks where he talked about how he's reached out for reconciliation and um, uh, how things, how he's changed his thought process on some things. He never said he was wrong on anything, but 
like I listened to him talk about how like trying to restructure the like his beliefs and his his beliefs on family and women and stuff like that because if you listen to a message that he preached in Mars Hill and a message he preached at Trinity Church there it it's almost like it's a different person preaching yeah like he has a completely different tone and almost like you can almost see him backtracking on a lot of things that he would have He's said. He's backtracking on Calvinism. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I go. I've gone into uh, up until two, three weeks ago when you brought the article to me. Mm. I mean, I'm fir- I was firmly believing that this is a this is a yeah. reaffirmed, reconstituted, uh, humbled Mark Driscoll. Yeah, uh, humbled. Loosely yeah, comparative, yeah, 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 yeah. like he was still he's still Mark Dr- yeah, yeah he's still yeah. Mark Driscoll and he was still like in your face, mm-hmm. but he was like he wasn't yelling and cursing from the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I was looking at um, Trinity Church and Mark Driscoll as like, uh, you know, a uh, uh, arrogant pastor that was humbled, mm-hmm. and then a re reaffirmed pastor coming back to um, action, basically. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that's what I saw Trinity Church as. Yeah, one of the things that um, I thought was interesting, and and I did hear this from him saying that he was uh, more mature and that he was a young, brash Christian mm-hmm. in his early days. You know, he was twenty six when he became a believer, I think, or he was twenty six when he started Mars Hill. I, that's right, he was twenty six when he started, started Mars Hill, and um, and so you you know, there's kind of like that. I don't know, license or excuse. But then you got to remember, like, he had that church for 18 years from 96 to 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you get it the first couple of years, but, and you point out something, uh, Justin, where you say, like, it seemed like this and it seemed like things were good and all this, but then we're hearing, hearing the same stories. And I see a, a comparison between the two churches. It seems like there was a honeymoon period at both the churches where everything was great and wonderful and then something switches in him and it, and it changes the way he leads. Um, so, but I had heard that he had started a new church. I didn't know, I knew it was somewhere west of, you know, over there, um, but I didn't know where. And um, I, like you, I think all of us um, knew, I'd heard he'd, he'd changed and mm-hmm. he was a, a kinder, gentler um, Mark Driscoll. So, um, so what are your first thoughts um after researching driscoll and the trinity church there and i think phoenix and scottsdale are i don't know we hear, i hear those two cities interchangeably there scottsdale where is where all the rich white people live ah, for phoenix gotcha okay understood and that's where uh arizona state is as well is it okay mm-hmm. yeah gotcha okay so first thoughts on on this after kind of looking at it Kristen, i i couldn't believe that it was that he was doing the same thing again. Like, it just totally blew my mind. Again, I didn't know of him before. I didn't know of his church after the whole collapse of Marcel. But I I could not believe that he was doing the exact same thing again. Like, he was heading down the exact same path. I didn't have what Josh had where he listened to him and he was like this kinder, gentler Mark. I just, I could only see him as a narcissist repeating what a narcissist repeats. Because you went from Mars Hill podcast. To I went from Mars Hill podcast. The things I rec- to yeah. the Julie to Rollers Julie things. Yeah. Yep. yep. For, for me, in some ways, it's it's worse because it's it's not mm. some of the allegations are necessarily worse 
to the to the ear, you know, when you hear them, but it's worse because it's like, man, did we not learn? Did he not? Did we not? Did people not learn anything the first go round? If you know, uh-huh. um, and just it, now, now it just seems like there is a there is a personality uh, disorder. There is a yes. disorder. There is a sickness. There is a. It's not just. It's not just. Oh, he's arrogant. He's full of himself. It's it's deeper, larger issue mm-hmm. than that. You know, yeah. maybe the first time around you could have chalked some of that stuff up to that. But now there's no denying there there mm-hmm. is a there are some yeah. personal things there that need to be addressed. Yeah. And I I yeah. wonder because the the amount of information that's that's the people that are speaking out from the Trinity Church are m- very numerous um, from staff, um, security, church members, in m- much more. Um, there's a lot more of them than there were when the Mars Hill stuff started to happen. I think you've had a lot of. Mars Hill testimonies come out since then. Yeah. But like as far as like like let's say Mark did something on a Monday and Thursday people were speaking out about it, you know, at, at Trinity. And um and I wonder if there was a uh I don't know uh, something going on with Mark and maybe his position and the popularity and just mm-hmm. how it just exploded p- with popularity in Seattle with Mars Hill mm-hmm. that people were afraid to speak out. They were afraid to speak up because he was results he was getting the numbers he was having you know all these campuses and all these people and a huge budget i mean like crazy millions and millions of dollars and and so i think people were hesitant to speak out and at this new church i want to say it's like 2000 people which is nowhere close to what he was experiencing at marshville right. um but i also think people have learned i mean i'm almost surprised i just i don't know I, i'm surprised well, the first the first Sunday that they were open, there was more people protesting the church than were inside at the Trinity Church. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, wow. I think you know my first impression was how in the world can this be happening again? So same thing that, that a lot of y'all said, like, and not only happening again, but like it's it's ma- it seems magnified. Um, it seems that Driscoll didn't learn from his experience at Mars Hill, and what you find, and he, um, I don't have. The quote from where I got this, but um, he structured the new church in such a way that he wouldn't be challenged or he wouldn't be called out like he was under the other one or, you know, that, that to be addressed with some of those things. Um, he, he, he's told his staff that he intentionally structured Trinity to avoid the, quote, problems that he encountered at Mars Hill. So um, there were no elders. Um the they didn't have they don't have members mm-hmm. at the Trinity Church mm-hmm. that way they don't vote right they just choose to be there and they don't they don't have to disclose financials either they don't that's have the to, other yeah, thing yeah. about that and I want to say they do they if you go on staff for sure or volunteer you have to sign a non disclosure mm-hmm. which you had to do at Marcel did you okay uh, yeah. yeah I had a friend that actually interned yeah at Marcel oh wow yeah. yeah. so no no meaningful oversight an organizational chart. Um, I don't know if y'all saw. There's a, a organizational chart that a former intern ha- shows, and it and it just shows Mark at the top of everything. Like mm-hmm. he's at the top of everything. So even above any people that might that he would say. So Josh, for instance, you were had the understanding that he had an elder board. Yeah, or, it had been publicly stated by more, mm-hmm. not not even just him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then when those people were asked later, like a few years later, they're like. No, I haven't had any conversation. We're not. With him. It was never an official 
or it, was, it was maybe one or two like gatherings right to qualify him again as a pastor right and then there was nothing else that came of it but the way it was pitched basically it was even once I step back in the pulpit I'm gonna have this oversight board to make sure everything's up on the up and up because that's how I grow yeah yep and apparently that's not the way it was right and right. you know hearing these accusations about uh, Trinity Church you know it 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 hurts mm-hmm. for for me because I mean like I I saw Trinity Church as a win yep. in the church column mm-hmm. like someone that was that done so much wrong and was coming back and was like basically roaring for Christ and mm-hmm. doing it the right way it hurt really bad I know when I sent you those things I was like oh this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna hurt Josh I mean because I, I re- like <coughs> excuse me I when the when the accusations of arrogance out came out I was basically done with, like I'd been I was done with Mark Driscoll mm-hmm. because, I mean, just that that wasn't something I really wanted to attach myself to because I know the shortcomings in my faith walk. So mm. I detached myself from that. But then when he come back from uh, with Trinity Church, I was like, that that's a redemption story that my faith needs. Exactly. You know, that's what that's what Christianity is. Yeah. It's redemption. So I was like, I was I was more cheering proud mm-hmm. to like Mark Driscoll for Trinity. Yeah. Than I was at Mars Hill. Yeah. Because because of the redemption story that was supposedly it happened. Yeah, yeah. So what's the what's the craziest thing um, that I asked this in episode forty eight as well? So what's the craziest thing that you've read or heard in the podcast or in reading up about um, the Trinity Church and under Mark Driscoll's leadership? I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, and two is narrowing it down because I didn't <laughs> think I could narrow it down. So the first one was <laughs> apparently there was a situation where someone approached Mark while he was on stage and this person wanted mm. prayer, but they didn't really know why this person had approached Mark. And so security encroached upon the person um, and chose to de-escalate the situation. And like I said, this woman was harmless she, I mean, they, they pretty much just scooped her out, got her out of the pulpit, out of the stage, and moved on with the day. But when security was approached... Um, after the service. After the service, they Mark was like, why didn't you draw your gun? And, you know, my husband's a police officer. We, we talk about, you know, de-escalating situations all the time. And the security guy goes, I chose to de-escalate because if I had drawn my weapon, like, think about the, you know, the repercussions They're that this would Arizona. have had. Right, a- like, Concealed carry or open carry law there? I mean, they said, like, <laughs> I think Julie said, like, every every other person in there was probably carrying. Yeah. Like, you would have created absolute chaos instead of, but Mark was adamant, I mean, like, screaming at this guy to, he should have drawn his weapon. He wasn't keeping himself, he wasn't keeping Mark safe and therefore, you know, compromised the whole service. And Which I think is just crazy. For context, the, they did say the person was that they looked inebriated, but at, at the same, it's not sure. wasn't just a normal person coming for prayer. That's yes. I would be stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yes. crazy. Yeah. But it's like, man, why didn't you draw your weapon? Holy cow! Holy I moly! Mean, I mean, like that would have yeah. been a shootout at the OK Corral. It would have like <laughs> everybody would have looked like Swiss cheese right. in there. It would have oh been crazy. It, it would have been bad. And Mark actually has had a weapon pulled on him on stage. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. He, yeah. Okay. Where in Seattle or no? This Arizona? is when he was doing the conference circuit in those two uh-huh. years when like people were like protesting him being places. Yeah. 
like someone got up on stage with a knife. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So so he. And, I mean, and, and I think that still ex- doesn't condone. Well, but I think it. But it changes the mindset. Yeah, I think it explains the heightened sense of the need for security. Yes. Yeah. For himself and his family. The paranoia, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit of paranoia. Yeah, that sure. people are out to get him. Yeah, and, and if I remember correctly from that interview with the security guy that didn't draw his weapon, mm-hmm. um, is that he is, uh, I mean, he has like a, a resume. Like, he is a, he's done security. Yeah. He has background in security. So he, he was wasn't paid. Just a, he wasn't yeah. just a military background. Military yeah. background. Yeah. Military yeah. background. Right. Marine, I believe. He's, yeah. he's like that guy from Taken, you know, and like so, they do the celebrities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, he, but he was talking about how he... Actually, you know, because the pastor had just just blasted him for not drawing his weapon, that it really made him doubt and made him second guess, um, like his decision making and, and his years of training, like yeah. that. You know, the reflex training that they yeah. do is just yeah. And unreal. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. nuts. Um, I think. Uh, well, all right. Have you guys? That was you. That was right, yeah. Yeah, Justin. What do you have? Um, I think. One of the craziest things, again, it's hard to say what's the craziest. Maybe that's the craziest one. But for me, I I kept thinking about the, uh, you know, we're going to get into the the spectrum of trust Mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. And how Mark is like putting numbers on people. Well, this Mm -hmm. person's, you're, you're, to their face. Now, you're like a five because, you know, you've got some issues here. So, you can't control your wife. Right. Mm -hmm. But your wife is a zero or a one because, you know, she, but she's, she talks too much or she, she, I don't trust her. She has a job. (laughs) Not enough children. But, you know, and, and, but that's, again, like we all, unfortunately, we all make judgment calls on people, but you don't, but I don't make, I don't go to someone and say, you know what, you're a three, Kristen. You know, just because you know, Be- you know, you're you. Like, because you posted a picture of you and this other person that I yeah. don't trust. Yeah, like that. you're an eight because we I don't know. trust that person. Because I don't trust that person that you have a picture with. Again, I know people sit around and talk about people, but you're a pastor. Again, there's a above reproach thing that you we the rules. We live under a different set of rules. Right. We just do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean it. it it blew my mind when he. It's one thing to think it. It's one thing to to you know say it to your wife or to a cl- like, you know, not even that. That's bad enough. But like to say it to the person's face and to degrade and demean them and their wife. If someone talks, if someone mm-hmm. calls my wife a zero or a one, they might get punched in the face <laughs> right then and there. I mean, yeah, to my, for real. And I'm not. It has you know. That's mm-hmm. just facts. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, okay, we all have people in our lives that some we have a huge level of trust with, mm-hmm. tell them anything, and there's others just because of our relationship or maybe because of history, you don't have the same level of trust with. Okay, so this is a this is a human thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, Scripture talks about having wisdom and, how, and who do you speak to and how to, you know, all that stuff. So it makes total sense, like you said, Justin. But to sit down and come up with a name of it, spectrum of trust, and to put a numerical value, 1 to 10, on it, and write it down. And write it down and then discuss it with your staff. On a whiteboard. On a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then what you see is that the other people on staff started using that same. So they were they were using the same thing with other people. Like, well, you know, you're a five on my. And so, I mean, it just creates. It doesn't create trust. It creates a huge thing of distrust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, you're always wondering, where do I stand with this person? Like, Am I a? Am I an eight? Am I on his own I too? head of security who was supposed to protect him? He told him, "You're just an eight, because you, like Josh said, would 
I saw a picture, or someone saw a picture of you on social media with someone mm-hmm. that that we yeah. were that we don't that trust. had been that, excommunicated that from which, the church, which, which leads For to no, the craziest yeah. thing that I heard. That I um, mean, was the whole shunning thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I knew Amish people did it, but and I mean, I guess we can kind of do it too sometimes. But but like we were like shunning people who were leaving the church or had been fired from the church. They were excommunicated. Like you were not supposed to have contact with them. Like, wives were told, like, let's say Mark fired a dude um, from staff. Then, like, the wives, if they were friends, they were not allowed to be friends anymore. And there's, like, I've seen um, copies, uh, screenshots Mm -hmm. of where the wife's like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to back away from our friendship because you you were disloyal to the church. I hope you have Um, a good life. Yeah, I hope you have a good life. This is, if you look up characteristics of a cult... That's uh, yes. one of yes. one mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. You know the shunning, the shunning. You're not allowed to have any contact or have anything to do with these people anymore. They are yep. not. Which hits really close to home. It does. We we, it does. we know some we we know someone who's who's trapped in that right now, and it's it's horrible. Um, so let me. Uh, oh, the other thing, it, in the shunning and all that stuff. But they had a they have a bolo list. of be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. Which um, so of people like that. I mean, like, fam- in-laws mm-hmm. are not allowed on campus. His children, who are now grown, who are married, the, his, his, like, son-in-law or daughter-in-law's parents are not allowed on campus because I guess they've spoken out against Mark or the ministry. And so now they have a bolo, so it's, like, their pictures are there and their names are there and security knows it and they are not allowed. And what they drive and, like, their tag numbers, anything, like, descriptive mm-hmm. about your vehicle. Yeah. You know, honor student, whatever. And people that were supposed to be on that oversight list are on the bolo list. Oh, really? Yeah, people Mm -hmm. that were supposed to be on that oversight board. I did not know that. The head one was. I saw that. Yeah. So the one who was supposed to be one that could come in and speak. His main oversight is on the bolo list. Wow. In some ways, that's that's taking it a step further than Mars Hill. In some ways, the Trinity thing is a step further. He, like, on a... The protecting of himself is way more. It's like way off the charts. His circle, his spectrum of trust is so much tighter than than he did at Mars Hill, because what I mean, and the because of the way he built Trinity Mars Hill, he was it was he was one of three pastors that actually founded the church, so he had to constrict it as it grew. That origin story changed over it, time. It, it, did, did. it did. It did. And he did kick the other, and eventually boot the other two. So mm-hmm. Exactly. He and he never head, mentioned them. Yeah, and they're, the and they're on the bolo list for Trinity. Um, <coughs> but he structured it so, he structured Trinity so, because of the stuff that you've sent me and shared, you can see that he built it so tightly around himself that it's almost, from outside looking in, he looks very uh, contactable and approachable. Open, available, mm-hmm. yeah. But from an actuality, he is so hard to get to. Mm-hmm. It's it's unreal. He's all, he's he has a as big security team as an A list celebrity. Yeah, yeah. For a two thousand member church, he's almost impossible to reach. But from an outside looking in, he teaches the Wednesday night men's study. His wife teaches. Um, the uh, women's study, mm-hmm. and like there's like potlucks and stuff that he, that he's seen out talking to people, mm-hmm. but it's all constructed, yeah, and it's all on his terms, yeah, yeah. They were saying like, and not only do they have like a bolo at their local church, but like 
like they would call the city of Scottsdale or Phoenix or whoever, and they would have do not trespass. They would they would issue those mm-hmm. um, against people. They did that with the um, family with the <laughs> problems with his daughter and the boyfriend. Yep, yep. They did criminal mm-hmm. trespassing and criminal um, harassment. Th- harassment. Uh, harassment. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, aggravated harassment. Well, it's like a it's like a makeout session or something. It, it, the boy kissed his daughter or it, it came out that the daughter actually kissed the boy and so the boy and his whole family was kicked out booted out booted out of the church mm-hmm. but like what they did before they kicked him out like this kid was in interrogated interrogated yeah. one-on-one like yeah. and no way were they following say yeah, sanctuary 16, 16, a 16 year old, old like that was my other i said i had two crazy wait things. wait 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 you said Mark Driscoll and Safe Sanctuaries in the same sentence. Like that's not. <laughs> they gonna... didn't follow Safe Sanctuaries. No. Like, that's what the, is Safe Sanctuaries? Uh, well, yeah, Safe Sanctuaries is that. our two adult policy that the UMC asks all of us to uphold whenever we're with minors in the building. And that was my other crazy thing that I couldn't decide which was worse: is that someone made an accusation against a staff person at their church and their mi- uh, and a minor, and head of security got a hold of it. He wanted to follow all proper steps, involve law enforcement if necessary, but to go through the chain of command. And Mark was like, no, don't. I don't believe that there's any merit to this. Um, He would never do this. I can't believe that you would even think that he would do this. And he was like, I don't believe that this man is guilty of what he's accused of. But if we don't follow proper protocol, how can we Mm -hmm. say that we're above reproach? And it just goes back to that really tight. And I think that was one of the situations that like knocked his head of security down a couple of notches in his security of, or in his he circle of trust exactly because he, he didn't do it. He ended up going to the police and filing criminal charges and the investigation started there because they wouldn't do it internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so the, this whole spectrum of trust thing, um, people moved up and down and all that. I think we've kind of already addressed that pretty much. Does anyone want to add anything on to that? It's just crazy. <laughs> Nuts. It just makes you feel almost icky. I was just, I was thinking that yeah. word, kind of talking like, about all this. And and again, if you're a listener and you think we're just sort of just bashing Mark Mark Driscoll and the church and all, it's not. It's deep, it's deeper than that. It's it's we're my in my from my perspective, I'm very sad. It saddens mm-hmm. me. It's almost it's like a case study in mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. in how not to do be leadership in ministry is at this point yeah and we're all human goodness gracious and we're all broken we all bring our own baggage into this thing but man it it, this this goes to another level in my opinion another level it goes to another level Mm -hmm. it's one thing to be flawed and human and broken and we we're we're, we've talked countless hours the four of us about working on us yes Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. and allowing god to work on us amen but this is this is beyond that. This is something that it, I went from being angry at Mark Driscoll for, yes. for his for his arrogance and his self centeredness to being sad for him. Exactly. I'm I'm sad for him mm-hmm. because there is there is so much going on more than we, than anyone knows. Exactly. Yeah. And probably his wife. Yep. I, I feel I have I almost have sympathy and compassion for him, mm-hmm. although. I'm not condoning anything that he's exactly. doing. Exactly. You know I, what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree There's completely. There's this fine line between yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that leads us to that that next question was, so um, none of us in here are psychologists, but if we were to play I'm armchair psychologist, what's going on here? Like, what needs to happen? Um, for me, he just needs to be pastored. Mm, mm-hmm. You know? Um, one, of the thing, one of the things we talk about in 48 is that he goes straight in from being a new believer to a pastor, and he's never really been shepherded. And 
I don't think he's ever been shepherded in his life based on ever. all the information Pro- that's out there. Probably not. You know, I don't and, think he and, has. And I and I think that I think that is where most of the issues stem from because he was never taught how to lead. Mm-hmm. And just just stepping back and being a member or a partner of a church and watching the I mean, none of us are perfect, so everyone's gonna screw up. But just watching a a trained leader in a in a lead pastor role and just watch how how they do it. Mm-hmm. Well, not even trained how to lead, trained how to how to walk with Jesus. Like you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. that before you're ever gonna lead, before you have to crawl before you walk. Yeah. And that come you know leadership is way on down the line. Mm-hmm. None of us can be thrown into leadership roles before mm-hmm. we're, we're ready. You know, right. I mean it it happened to me. I mean, I was thrown into leadership role at 17 years old. Uh, you know, I was just out of high school, mm-hmm. and I was a, over a whole student ministry. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And, <laughs> and I hope I don't stand before God one day, and he, go, he goes, what did you teach those kids? Because, you know, you, and I, obviously I was doing the best <laughs> I could, but, man, you got, before you're ever, you know, forget leading, man, just learning how to, to, to live uh, you, to be a part of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and to live in in in, in love and harmony and grace with other people. That's that mm-hmm. that's what he's missing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He just he really just needs to join a church. He doesn't need to be leading. He just no. needs to At be all. led. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, um, you know, the which I think goes back to the whole armchair psychiatrist part is that like there's in in learning how to work with people and under people and, and just watch them and learn from them. Um, hopefully you're learning um, how to apologize when you're wrong, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how to own your mistakes, um, how to, like, how what how do you truly walk through and, and do your part to get to reconciliation if it's possible. Mm-hmm. But if he's the narcissist that we, it seems that he is, mm-hmm. um, that he it's he's not aware of it. He's and yeah. I mean, I would like everyone else needs to go to therapy. Correct. I like the idea that he would be able to, um, you know, be a member of a church, be a partner, and then like learn these skills. But as someone who grew up with a not someone with narcissistic personality disorder, um, I I can see that it it's not going to be possible. I don't want to say not going to be possible because I know that God can change sure anybody. Can. Yeah. And if I stood here and said differently, I would need to leave my job. But <laughs> as a whole, I would th- say that narcissists need to not be presented with leadership opportunities because they cannot, they don't have the skill set. They don't have the ability to, to use their skills wisely, to use them, you know, as Christ has commanded us to lead our, to lead people. He, he will constantly go back to that just, I mean, and it's it's a disorder. It's really sad, like you said. I mean, he's he's sick. You wouldn't be mad at someone for yeah, having cancer or anything like that. But at the same time, you don't want to continue to put him in a position where he's going to put others in danger. And I think that's Ooh. really what he's doing is and, putting other people and in some danger. Might, some might think, well, that's a you kind of gone like you're being a little dramatic there, Kristen. But I don't I don't think you are. I mean, I, I've I've seen it. I've lived it. So I I don't feel like I'm being too dramatic there because I've, I've watched it repeat itself on a very just personal level. You're just being emotional. Just if I was not a woman, <laughs> I didn't have these thoughts. Also, at this point, it's a pattern with, with Mark. Correct. Yep. You know, and it's it's one thing to have a just a complete implosion like Mark's Hill and then 
reconcile, be, you know, take sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, get healed up, get, you know, get Mm -hmm. right, so to speak. And then, and then, you know, see if, you know, God can use his giftings in another, in another way, in another season. Which, right. you know, what that's what I heard when I heard right. about Trinity. I said, okay, great. You know, maybe he's, and I, you know, we, we, I think it's important also for us to separate the teaching of Mark Driscoll from Mark Driscoll himself. Mm. Now, now the, the message, the messenger is the message, mm-hmm. right? I mean, th- there's a yeah. fine line, but yeah. also like there's nothing inherently wrong. Like he's a fantastic teacher. And there are things that even today, like, as a before I heard, uh-huh. heard the Royce yep. podcast, yep. I listened to some of his real faith stuff and I go, "This is good stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, this yes. is good stuff that I agree with." And uh-huh. I'm going, "Man, the God knows what He's talking." And and God, there's no doubt God has anointed him. There's no doubt about that. But how many? You know, there, there's again, Scripture has there's plenty of examples of yep. people that God will call and anoint, and they and they are their own worst enemy. I almost wonder, like, if if it had just been a few years later, if if Mark had just been a podcaster or, or and an author, mm-hmm. like and and didn't have like spiritual oversight of people, like if he would just be he would be okay. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily that I I I, I probably wouldn't be a huge fan of it, but I wouldn't be like going, well, this isn't biblical or this isn't scriptural. But there's so much other stuff added to how he leads and what's going on behind it, it makes yeah. it really hard to receive the message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I almost go, man, if he were just, if he could have just been a podcaster in, you know, 2010, you know, mm-hmm. when it was really going, you know, like it'd probably I, be a whole other story. I mean, I like Justin's saying, I've listened to several Trinity messages and they're all, if you didn't know about Mark Driscoll and all the other stuff, yeah. and you listened to Trinity messages and, and his little um, videos minutes and, with Mark or yeah. whatever the thing is, You'd go. This is solid. This yep. is really you, solid. Yep. You I mean, really would. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the have you did you chime in on your armchair psychiatrist or psychologist? No, I, I was saying that like he just needs to be pastored. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. I want to read to you guys um, something from the American Psychiatric Association, and then something that the Mayo Clinic has put out. Um, just a couple of things. Uh, this is our characteristics of a narcissist. One, uh, lacks empathy, is unwilling to identify with the feelings and needs of others. Um, Shows arrogant, haughty behavior or attitudes. Requires excessive admiration. Has a sense of entitlement, i.e. unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with their expectations. So that's this, this... narcissists perceiving themselves to be the only authoritative decision maker, the only one who has a voice in the the conversation, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it makes me kind of go, oh, as a leader, like, you know, do I, do I wade into that water? Here's what um, uh, the Mayo Clinic says about someone who has antisocial personality disorder, which is what we know as a sociopath. Um, And these clinics say they're callous, cynical, and disrespectful of others. They use charm or wit to to manipulate others for personal gain, arrogance, a sense of superiority, or being and being extremely opinionated, repeatedly violating the rights of others through intimidation and dishonesty, hostility, significant irritability, agitation, aggression, or violence, a lack of empathy, lack of remorse, poor or abusive relationships 
and a failure to, re to this is the one that kind of failure to consider the negative consequences of behavior or learn from them. And so I read those and I thought, because I, I wanted to go and read, like, what are some, I went to the DSM-5 and looked at these because, you know, they change every time the thing comes out. So, um, and, and I really, armchair psychologist here, I think Driscoll is a narcissist and sociopath. I think he's got um, that, the antisocial personality disorder. Probably and, right. And yeah. that narcissistic personality Should have brought my DSM-5. I, I, I remember when you said, I, yeah. for those who don't know, I spent, a 10 years in the in the mental health yeah. counseling field and and all this is so like it just brings back so many um memories of occasions where you know you deal with things like this and and you guess you just go goodness gracious yeah there's there are it's, it's super it's a sickness it, there is some sickness it, and it really is and you go back to that point you were making of you have like you have sympathy for him and i said this in episode 48 like you know bottom line Jesus loves Mark Driscoll. I mean, he loves him. He's given his life for him. God loves him. He knows him. He knows his heart. And um and so there is there's much grace and and the the potential for um healing is very very possible in his life. Um but like you said, Josh, um you know, if what needs to happen, you know, based on like if we're if we're kind of looking from outside in, and reading testimony and hearing mm -hmm. testimony and hearing repeated testimony from different churches and different people is, um, you know, for him to step down. And, on, I mean, I say this with, like, for him to have intensive inpatient treatment that, and spiritual, like, to go on a, I mean, I think it'd be awesome for the dude to go, like, be one of those monks that doesn't talk for, like, six months and just, <coughs> like, just be. I mean, like, seriously. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are probably like, yeah, we hear you talk a lot too, Shannon. Maybe you should go and do that as well. And then uh, here's the other thing I think that should happen, and I'm hearing it. Like, you know, I mentioned the Older Brother, Younger Brother podcast that I've been listening to who are former staff of Mars Hill who have gone on and they're pastoring other churches and they've talked about their healing and their process is I think that any former or current staff who are complicit in basically being like little marks in how they've treated people, um, that they, they confess and they repent and they, they seek reconciliation. Cause there are, you know, we've talked a lot about Mark Driscoll, but it was a huge church with a huge staff mm -hmm. and it was a top down ministry mm -hmm. and what he did, they did and mm -hmm. how they ministered to people and, um, you know, you bring in young, impressionable people who have a gift for ministry, and they're like, oh, this is how we do church? Okay. This is how you pastor? Okay. And I think there are thousands upon thousands of people who've been affected by the way the ministry's been carried out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, that's kind of sad, you know. Um, so we've called these, these two episodes, 48 and this one, 49, uh, The Cult of Personality. And we've mentioned the cautionary tale a couple mm -hmm. times. Yeah. So what what's the cautionary tale from, I would love to say, what's the cautionary tale from Mars Hill because that's the end of the story. But this is an ongoing story. But what is the cautionary tale? I'm still wrapping my head around the Trinity aspect of it. So I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I have what the cautionary tale is there yet for me. Mm -hmm. I really think it's accountability. I mean, without a structure around you that's going to support you and call you out and love you through all of it. Love you is a huge part is of it. Is a that. huge part of it. Yeah. Um, 
and like because we are all flawed we're all going to fail we're all going to mess up and do things like mark we're all going to be you know a terrible human being at times mm-hmm. but to have someone there who goes hey you're being a real jerk and I'm going <laughs> to love you through it. And here's why I think you're being a jerk. Um, let's see what we can do about that is, I mean, it's the only way we're all going to be successful here on this earth is by, is by coming around each other and loving each other through mm-hmm. our messes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, for me, when all else fails, you just have to adopt uh, radical humility for yourself. Mm. Just Ooh. being super. It, when, uh, when, at any turn, am I being humble? Mm-hmm. At, in, at, in every decision, am I being humble? Is it about me or is it about someone else? Am I am I all, am I all about me and don't even know it? You know what I mean? Like, do yeah. I? Yeah. Is it is it all about you know? And that and I think anyone in leadership has to deal with that trap daily, daily submission, daily. daily you know, it's not and and you know, I it's not about me again nothing good in me is going to come like you know what i mean there's nothing inherently good in us this you know the, the sin disease is 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 rampant yep. like it's going to it's going to do its thing mm-hmm. so therefore submitting to the spirit and understand submitting to other people yeah mm-hmm. trusted people now mm-hmm. solid trusted you can't just submit to anyone no but people no. who are wise that you see that 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 god and, and obviously god builds those and brings those people along and and identifying those people and saying I will submit to this person, this person, and obviously I'm going to submit to to the lordship of Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, and every day going, and every moment, probably every hour of the day, if you're like me, going, am I being humble in this? Am I am, am I humbling myself before the Lord and saying it's not God? You you don't have to use me. You you don't need me to to push the gospel out into the world. Mm-hmm. You chose to to use me, yeah. and I'm humbled by that. I, I I don't take this position for granted at all. Yeah, you know I'm not some superstar. You don't need rock stars. You need servants. That's what mm-hmm. you need. God needs servants. Yeah. So I mean I don't know. That's just my. I know it's uh, it's easy to say this. That it's hits hard really to live out. Home, it does so to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it. If it hits close to home for me, I'm you know I'm challenged by that every day. You know that's the cautionary tale for me. Yeah. You know, the words that keep popping up um, in the interviews that I've listened to from people who who have seemed to be on the bad side of Driscoll um, is how they were, going back to the cult stuff, uh, Justin, is how they were repeatedly labeled unsafe, toxic, demonic, or disloyal. And that's just like textbook paranoia right there. Like that and but you hear that word repeated over and over again. So it became like common phrase like among people is okay, that I can't be around that person because they're unsafe. It's like, well what what did they do something? Like are they you know, are they driving without their hands? Are they just driving around Phoenix like with their knee? Like what's unsafe about them? Like what do but they the, do? There's <laughs> one there's one word in that like you're crazy that goes beyond all this. Demonic. Yeah, demonic. I know. Mm-hmm. How can you who has who gives you the right mm-hmm. to label anyone that you don't like yeah. for certain reasons? Yeah. Demonic. Yeah. That's yeah. that takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, and, and I really I know toxic people, you know yeah. too you do too, yeah. but like yeah. We don't go around saying you're demonic because I don't like you because right. you hurt my feelings. Yes. Holy cow! Well, and I and I think without a doubt, the Trinity Church is experiencing um, Mark's response to what happened to Mars Hill, and so it's like, okay, well then let's label people unsafe and PTSD. toxic and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so that 
they're just gone. Like, we're, I'm not going to go back and forth on this and should we keep them or should we not? We're going to, this is who they are. They're unsafe. They're toxic. They're not part, they're not healthy for this. So they're out. Yeah. And, um, I just think that, um, you know, if there are lessons to be learned from, you know, the, the rise and fall of, uh, Driscoll at Mars Hill, um, and now this, the rise in the, the relational wall that, that he's built at Trinity church. I mean, I really do think, like, biblical training, we've talked about this. Um, accountability, we've talked about this. Wise mentors. Psychological evaluation. I mean, I've, you know, I'm, like, I've been on, I've been a pastor since 2006, like, licensed pastor. And I've, you you have, like, every so many years we do psyche evals. So I've had two in the process. And I'm sure I'll have another one here in a couple of years. And I think that's a healthy thing to do when you're in a place of spiritual leadership for other people. Um, I think that is something that should always uh, be important. I think people who are in those kind of positions should have that. I mean, I, I think it's a healthy, healthy thing to do. Um, um, any other thoughts or things that you want to throw in on, on this conversation um, about Trinity and, and just what we've learned and what we've seen? Um, you know, I, Josh, did you have something? Um, you know, the story's still not over with I know. And it could go it could go really good or really bad. Yeah. You know? Uh the pessimist in me says it, it, Yeah, I don't, probably not right, gonna end well. Probably not gonna end well. But there is there but that's our finite minds right, thinking. Exactly. There is God can restore anything in anyone. So Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm praying for God. To reconcile and put Mark on his face, yeah, alongside sure. me on my face, yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Uh, because I need to be on my face, he needs to be on his face. We all need to be on our faces, praying for God to fix what is broken in us, because we all have things that are broken. His is just amplified by his platform. Yeah, yeah, and the cult of personality. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I if. I just what what I want to do is I just want to pray for Mark and and pray that I don't fall in some pitfalls that he fell yep. into. Humility, yeah, yeah. That 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 whole thing that the whole thing that that Justin was saying is like just to to do. Um, we we would be um, and then there might that might be the opinion of some is listening to this is man you guys are just beating up on this guy but um, it is a cautionary tale which means it's something we need we can learn from we can take caution from. And that we need to be people who can look in the mirror and go, are there any even minor attributes um, or characteristics that we see in this leader? You know, so case study. I mean, you know, we've all done case studies on stuff. Like, so this is a case study. And what can we learn? And and most definitely to be people who are humble, to be people who can own when we make a mistake, um, to be people who keep our eyes um, upward and outward mm -hmm. um, instead of just always inward. Um, you know, I think that if we are, uh, in God's word and really seeking him in prayer, um, I think that that is tantamount to just, it's, it's to not allowing our voices to be louder than what God is saying and showing and, and teaching us. We're always teachable. We should always be teachable throughout our whole experience, no matter what we're doing. Um, but especially as in leaders in the church. Um, to be people who are willing to learn and 
point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of, kind of a wah wah. It's good though. No, it, it's, it's good. It, it's it's good stuff to learn. So, hey, listen, there are a ton of links and stuff I could share with you, and I don't know, we might, we might not. But if you want to do your own personal understanding of this a little bit more, um, if that's kind of your your game, then you can just you can Google Mark Driscoll and Trinity Church or Mars Hill, and you will have all the reading material and YouTube video links that you could watch for your enjoyment for days upon days. So, But, hey, we appreciate you guys for being with us, hanging mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. Um, next episode is episode 50, Josh. 50. Wow, the 50. Oh, ah, 50. I knew she'd do so, it. Yeah, it was coming. It was coming. But uh, Justin, Kristen, thanks for being a part of these last two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Been good. We'll be fun. talking to you guys. Um, we'll have I'm to do sure this more soon. often. I know. I really on like it. On a different sure. topic. Yes. On a yes. different topic. Something funner. I know. I yeah. really like to do that. It's really good. So, um, Porch Community, we love you, and um, we uh, look forward to seeing you and talking with you again soon. See you later. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.